This is Amazed by God, brought to you by Through God's Library. We bring you stories of faith and God's goodness shared by people like you. I pray we build and encourage your faith. If you have a story to tell, please let us know by contacting us through our website at amazedbygod.com. We would love to help you share it with the world. While you're there, check out our other ministries. And if you would like to support the work God is doing through us, you can find the details on our website or go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Now here's your host, Mark, with a story of faith. Hello and welcome, welcome to Amazed by God, brought to you by Through God's Library. Uh, this is your host, Mark, and today I am here with Sherry Scott. Hi, hello. How are you guys tonight? So uh, what brings us together is uh, Sherry has a story that she'd like to tell. Um, we were, I was talking to Matt Smith, who was um, a couple episodes ago, and he had shared um, your name with me, and, and we got to talking for a little bit, and I thought you had just an amazing testimony. Um, how long have you known Matt? I've known Matt for about two years. Two years? Uh, he's a great guy. I, I love what he had to say on the podcast, and, and uh, we have... You know, I, I, I really, really enjoy talking to him. Uh, you go to uh, the Mac Church here in Maryland. Uh, is that correct? That's correct. I've been attending there since 2016. 2016. Amazing place. Yeah, it's a great place. I've actually been there a couple times. Uh, I, you know, I, I was, it's a little far from my house, but I was, I was contemplating whether that was going to be a church that I wanted to get my son into the youth group in and, and stuff like that because they seem to have an amazing youth program. Well, we are here today, and, and we like to share stories. We, we help grow, f- stories grow our faith. We, we, we really uh, live within stories, and I think you have an amazing testimony, and I'm, I'm here to just ask you, what has God done amazing in your life? Well, I'll tell you, Mark, uh, one of the things is I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. He's done am- amazing works within me within the last couple of years. I will tell you that when I was born, I was given away for adoption after five days. And I don't know a lot about my childhood. I don't remember a lot, but I can tell you that my childhood was scattered. It wasn't the greatest. My father was a convicted felon. My brother was a drug addict. My mom turned to emotional eating, and because of everything going on in my life, my family moved to Indiana when I was 11, took me out of the state of Tennessee. And when we moved north, life got really difficult for my family. My father's uh, addictions and habits played uh, a lot of pain for my mom, and my mom turned to me to help her. And an example for for you to understand that is they would go out to dinner at night, and on the way home, my dad would bail out of a car in the middle of a street and just leave my mom in, in utter tears. And I would be the one sitting at home. She would come get me, and we would have to go and find my dad. Some days we found my dad, other days we just couldn't find him anywhere. And I realized as I was growing up that this this is normal behavior to me, but I didn't realize how incredibly dysfunctional my family was at the age of 12 with the stuff that was going on. All I knew was that I wanted to be loved, and it was very difficult because my brother was a drug addict I remember going my brother to his dealer's house because I just wanted to be loved and wanted by somebody in my family I love my dad but my dad had a problem and I hated my mom I didn't see anything in common with the woman but over the next few years with that codependency and everything that was going on 
in my family's life, I needed to get away. I decided to join the Army, enlisted in the Army, went away for uh, about eight months or so. I came back home, and I had the opportunity to go to college on a scholarship. Well, while I was in basic training in AIT, I met a guy. I got engaged to the guy, great, amazing guy, but I wasn't sure I was ready to get married. I was young. I was 16 when I got engaged to this guy, and before I went to college, I decided to give the ring back to him because I wasn't okay going away because I wasn't sure that's what I wanted in my life. I went off to college, and I partied, and I partied hard. I did a whole lot of things that 16, 17, and 18-year-olds probably shouldn't be doing. I got to drink at that age uh, in the Army and in the state of Minnesota. It's legal to drink. I partied. I went home with various people at night, and at one point, I realized I was gay while in college, and that led me to do some things I'm not proud of, and it's left me with a disease that I'll carry for the rest of my life. Well, in this process of figuring out who I was, I met a woman, and I started to go to church. I hadn't been in church since I was 11 years old, other than as a teenager, my mom attempted 10 different religions when I was growing up. I went along, couldn't fit in, didn't like it, just didn't understand it, didn't want to be near God, it, didn't, it wasn't for me. But because of this woman, I went back to church. Short, short-lived, incredibly short-lived because I only went for her. I didn't go for me. As an adult, I realized I was very angry, I was confused, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere, and I felt flawed. I was unwanted, unloved, and I was unworthy, and I hated everyone and everything. I didn't believe anyone in the world loved me, and I didn't think I could do anything right because everybody, you know, between my dad leaving, my mom, everything in my childhood and as an adult, I didn't want to disappoint people. One of the cool things I did was I swam. Swimming was my escape from my reality as a child and as a college student, and I remember sitting in a swim meet one day, and I watched a swim coach give his team a mustard seed, and I thought, why are they getting mustard seeds? What do you mean you can move a mountain? I didn't think anything of it. I drove on because I had to go swim. That was my job at the time, was I needed to go swim. So life just continued on. In college, I continued swimming. I had a blast doing everything, but the piece that's so important to me is that I was so angry and rageful at God for having given me away from the woman that had me, gave me away, that I would be mad at God for over 34 years. That's you, what it came to. You felt that he had a responsibility in that. It was, it was part of, it was part of he allowed it to happen, so to speak. Is that, is that where the, the hatred came from or the anger? Yeah, it came from the fact that he got a, had a woman who got pregnant, and then she had me, and instead of aborting me, because I thought I should have died, I don't think she should have had me, he let her have me, and then instead of her keeping me, she took me home for five days, she gave me away. And then in 2000, my father was killed in a car wreck, and it was another reason for me to be mad at, my, at, at God, because he took my dad away, the only person I loved and thought loved me in any small capacity so most definitely gotcha rage is a very powerful tool that if not handled properly as you'll see in my life 
is very destructive. It, it can drive us for ages and it can do very, very powerful things. I always think of rage as water. You know, water can go anywhere and can destroy anything, but it looks so peaceful and calm sometimes. And rage is that one thing that we can hold in and, and function, but it under the surface, it's just destroying everything. It does. It really does destroy you. And I can tell you from a personal perspective on the rage, my rage was so great and my anger was so great. And what I felt that I didn't belong made me attempt suicide on four different occasions in my life. I just wanted to escape the pain, the rage, the, the darkness and the loneliness that I felt and the emptiness that I felt from somebody giving me away. Why have me if you're not going to keep me? It didn't make sense to me. So I spent 26 years running with that rage and that anger, trying to escape my life. I wanted to run from fear of rejection, abandonment, disappointment, not being good enough, failure, and acceptance, just to name a few things of what I thought the issue was with my anger towards God. I had broken relationships everywhere. It wasn't them. It was me. It was my anger and my rage because it came out in the most wrong ways. It really did. It's the best way I can think. But it's ironic. In everything I've been through in my life, if you jump to January of 2016, I had the opportunity to move from Mountain View, California, to the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, to get a job. And the first day that I was there, I met a person who ultimately would have the greatest impact on my life. She took time to learn who I was. She wanted to know anything positive and negative, even the rage and the anger. Well, over the next two and a half years, she's walked with me in this journey. And one of the things that she did in December of 2016 was we went to Mid-Atlantic Community Church, also known as MAC, as you'd mentioned earlier in the, in the uh, podcast. And she had prayed that we would find a church that would accept me for me, not who they thought I should be, not fixing into the, to a religion and into a box. And, you know, I went, the first time I went, I was pretty comfortable. I, nobody, I didn't think anybody judged me. And I'm different. I wear a mohawk. I have tattoos. I belong to a motorcycle group. And they let me be me for who I was, which was amazing for me. And I had told myself at some point in my life that I needed to start living my life. And in 2015, I had gotten a tat that says, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. Repeat that for us again. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. And it's a tattoo that's visible on my forearm that I look at every day because it's been my motto for seven years because I've spent my entire life trying to figure out who I was because somebody gave me away because they didn't want me. Instead of taking the time to create who I needed to be, or better yet, who God wanted me to be. And I remember, I remember I told you earlier, I remember that coach talking about a mustard seed. I learned that that was Matthew 17, 20. And it's one of the most important verses I have. And it says, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. 
that's powerful to me and I never understood how powerful and I wouldn't for a little bit farther down in my life. Well, in March of 2017, I started going to a group called Celebrate Recovery. It's a group for hurts, habits, and hangups as well as addictions. I went to support my best friend, the one who believed in me. But eventually, I started coming for me. And it's been an amazing journey. On March 26, 2017, I made a mistake that I would, I would never forget for the rest of my life. But the other person did forgive me. But because of that selfishness on that night, that's the night I surrendered my life to God as an adult. I was 48 years of age when that occurred. That was the start of my journey and a new life. Around the beginning of April of 2017, I started what in 12-step uh, studies and Celebrate Recoveries called a step study. And you go through and you look at the 12 steps and try to understand why you do what you do and make amends where you can do amends and where you can't, you don't. Well, one of the, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I'd done something similar in AA 25 years earlier, but I'm doing it different this time because I'm older and wiser. And I knew I needed to tackle the one thing that hurt me the most, and that was my adoption that taunted me my whole life. And I do have to give props to everybody at my CR group because I was brutally honest. I'm not one to sugarcoat it. I'm not, it's not <laughs> like a cookie you go roll in sand. I just am brutally honest, and they were all women, and I'm telling them that I hate a woman who gave me away, and they were all parents. Dude, it was amazing, and they didn't hate me. Absolutely didn't hate me. And I've never hidden that feelings of how I've, people have hurt me, and I've hurt people back. But I also started a discipleship. I, I didn't know anything about the Bible. Nobody's ever said, here's a Bible, read it. I got told, here's a Bible app, I should download it, which I did. And I started seeing a Christian counselor around the same time. So and then, you, you were going to, to a, somebody that was discipling you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Just the way you said it, I was like, wait a minute for a second, you know. But yeah, going that, and very, very healthy thing is, is to be discipled because there's a lot of us, I, I still am discipled by people. So, Okay. Sorry, I just wanted to check in. I, 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 I wanted to make sure that you weren't discipling somebody else when I heard that. <laughs> Sorry, just want to clarify for everybody. No, no, it's all good. The discipleship programs actually run through MAC, and you are paired with someone within the church, who, and they have an, a set process that you go through to learn about the Bible and learn about Christ. And it's amazing for somebody who has no knowledge whatsoever of who that is. All right, that is that is something that every church should adopt. If you're listening to this, that is a wonderful, wonderful program, and I just that explanation of it, you know, makes my heart sing. Well, I'm telling you, it made a difference for me because between the counselor and the discipleship program and that step study that I did, my thought process and my relationship with God began to change. It was during that step study time and during this discipleship that I acknowledged the 30 years of hatred that I had for God. And it would be in the many more years that I hated the woman who gave birth to me. As I worked through step study, my thoughts about her changed. I used to call her a five-letter word that I no longer call her, and I don't want to necessarily repeat on air. It's not a good thing anymore. And I quit calling her that during the step study. And that's God working in the background and me not even realizing how much hatred I had, and all of a sudden it was gone. I didn't. I actually called her mom one day versus something else. My support system and, every, and all the hard work I 
did, and I do every day, is slowly altered and altering my perception of God as I grow each day. I realized that as much as I hated her and felt that she should have let me die if she didn't want me, it occurred to me that she may not have had a choice. I knew I had to think differently. Well, it's funny. In July of 17, Mac held baptisms. Uh, Again, I'm not a church person. I probably got baptized as a kid like we all do as infants. And they call them baby dedications at Mac. And I got poked in the ribs by my best friend. And she's like, you need to go up. You need to go up. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no, I really like my mohawk. And I'm dressed really nice and I don't want to ruin my clothes. But in all honesty, it was fear. And Satan was playing with my head saying that God didn't want me. Just like she didn't want me and anyone else. What's funny, Marcus, I've never hidden that when I turned 50, I wanted the second 50 years of my life to be different than the first. I wanted a fresh start, but Satan was looking really hard and in the background, working hard and fighting me to allow me that option. And as the summer progressed and I continued my spiritual growth, I knew I was changing, even though I had negative thoughts towards the woman. But I did let my pastor and them know as the summer progressed that I wanted to be baptized. So in October of 2017, Mac held baptisms. Dude, I sat in the audience and I was so nervous and I was thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I'm terrified. I don't think I'm worthy to do this. All my past started coming back. But I knew I had a lot of people in my corner cheering me on. I had my step study, my counselor, all my church friends, my best friend, everybody. Well, it was ironic. The day of baptisms, the sermon by the pastor was called The Storm Before the Calm. It is one of the most powerful sermons I've ever sat through in my life. And I felt it was directed at me, and I should pay attention. Again, remember, God works in mysterious ways. I remember sitting in the audience when Acts 22.16 came across the screen, and it said, And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sin away, calling on his name. I was looking for God's guidance as to whether I was worthy of this. And I'm sitting in the background thinking, I've got all these people here, and I don't want to disappoint anybody. The whole day was a blur, bouncing around. And all I wanted to do was go say one sentence. I wanted to say, I want to live the second 50 years of my life different than the first. At the end of that sermon, the pastor's saying, my brothers and sisters that believe in you and are experiencing storms in their life right now, would they heed and trust your words and not the world's? Would you put people in their life right now that will stand beside them in that storm and know that with Jesus, everything is calm? It was at that moment that I realized I was going to be okay, and I had a church and a CR family and my family as well as my friends, and one in particular who would catch me when I needed it. Yet knowing that did did not calm that storm in me. Satan was hard, filling my head with doubt, saying I wasn't worthy. I remember standing listening to the the song that was coming on and it was called come as you are and hearing the pastor say this is your come to Jesus moment and thinking he was right I was trying so to be so tough and strong and I just wanted to walk on that stage and say one thing and when I walked on the stage my voice cracked I was shaking and I felt myself tearing up I wasn't really sure what was going on but I remember saying I have lived the last 10 months, which is the entire time I had been back in the church, fighting a storm and battling my own demons, and that my best friend said it was time to come home. People, 
told me that God laid my heart bare for all to see that day. And it's so very true because I don't cry and I don't show emotions in front of others, especially ever. And the words I remember so clearly every day are child of God, dead in sin and alive in Christ. Being baptized that day was the accumulation of a lot of hard work to come home. Afterwards, I remember Pastor Joe saying, look, I don't like seriously that if God is just good beyond good today, that he can handle whatever storm is in your life and that he is just God. Wow. He's right. It was amazing. You know, a while back, I was asked what my life verse was. And as I said earlier, my, one of my life verses is Matthew 17, 20. And it's a very important one that I have tattooed on my arm so that I see that every day that I only need a little bit of faith and I can move a mountain and God will help me do that. I always ask God every day to show me his plan for me, but I'm learning that I have to be patient and I have to trust God even when I think I know better. I'm telling you what, that's the hardest thing I've ever done, man. It's so hard not to just take my will and run with it. And it's ironic because the last 31 months have just been a whirlwind of emotional and spiritual changes, and I'm not an emotional person. So it's been difficult and hard at times, but it's been a major shift in the way I think. And if it wasn't for all who stood behind me, beside me, and around me, and helped me and supported me, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I don't know, like I had mentioned before, there's a movie called Creed, and Adonis Creed at the end of the movie says, I need to prove I wasn't a mistake. That's me. Folks, this is who, this is what I spent my whole life doing is trying to prove that I belonged in this world because I never felt I did. I spent my entire life trying to learn why and to find out if I was a mistake. But there's a book called Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And in the first, I believe it's the first chapter of the book, there's a poem by Russell Kelfer, and it says, You are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. You are a precious and perfect, unique design called God's special woman or man. You look like you look for a reason. Our God made no mistake. He knit you together within the womb. You're just what he wanted to make. The parents you had were the ones he chose. No matter how you may feel, they were custom designed with God's plan in mind, and they bear the master's seal. Know that trauma you faced was not easy. And God wept that it hurt you so. But it was allowed to shape your heart so that into his likeness you'd grow. You are who you are for a reason. You've been formed by the master's rod. You are who you are, beloved, because there is a God. You know, and one day I was asked if there was anything I could do over, what would it be? You know, it's the first time in my life I didn't have to think very long to say an answer. And I'm logical and it takes me a time to think. And the answer was right there in front of me. I didn't have to change a thing. I wouldn't change anything. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you today and in front of the audience talking about the journey and the gift that God has given me. And it's been an uphill battle for me to believe that I need to be here because four years ago, I didn't believe that. I still struggle trying to find and understand why I'm here on this earth But I'm learning I have to trust God every day, and he'll show me his plan. And the ironic thing in this journey is I knew that to heal from everything I feel, I needed to take a huge leap of faith in my journey and face 
being abandoned. So on December 21st of 2017, I mailed in the paperwork necessary to start the process to get the answer I've searched for my life. Why? Why was I given away? Not a month later on December tw- or on January 28th, my church held baptisms and I happened to be in town and it was almost 15 weeks to the day after I had sent the paperwork to the state that I received a letter in the mail stating that they had found a total of 64 pages of my sealed and post-adoption records. On the 30th of January, two days later, I mailed a sworn affidavit and my desire to have contact with my birth parents, sibling, and grandparents. Not 30 days later, on February 17th, the answer I have spent 40 years wandering and fearing and the last year working through in Celebrate Recovery to get the courage to find out was partially given to me. 64 pages. And right after that envelope arrived, I was told, you know, God's hands are all over this, right? It's taken less than two months for you to get some of the answers. Well, my journey still continues because of the decision to request a search for my birth family, which contains at least eight siblings. The future is uncertain. But I know that God's right there carrying me through this difficult time. The thing I have to do is I have to just remember to have faith. Almost seven days to the month when I, op- uh, when I opened that envelope, on September 15th, the state of Tennessee informed me that my birth mother did not want to have contact with me, but that two of my sisters did. The pain of hearing that, and it cut me to my core. I hated her, and I couldn't ever imagine forgiving her because she abandoned me twice, let alone think I would ever give the woman grace. But Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Man, what a challenge that was for me because I tell you what, I don't get to complete my puzzle, and she's the center of my puzzle. And I've learned that maybe God's trying to protect me from something. But over the last six to eight weeks during that time, God used others to impart wisdom on me and different perspectives and change my heart. Man, on November 7th, I said aloud to my Christian counselor, I forgive you and give you grace. I never thought I would do that because I hated her so bad. But God works in mysterious ways, as I said before. One of the greatest Christmas gifts I've ever given in, been given in 51 years of life, I received on December 20th, 2018, exactly 364 days after starting this journey, I got the opportunity to talk to one of my sisters on the phone after they both had said they wanted a relationship with me. That's amazing to show how God did something in a year. I took Satan's power away the minute I surrendered my life to Christ back in 2017. And I want to part by telling you that there's a song by Johnny Diaz called Define Me. And in it he says, No, you don't define me because all your power has been swept away. Your threats are as empty as Jesus' grave. So devil, go and get behind me. You do not define me. And he defines me no more, man. It's amazing. That, that is, that's amazing. As you sit there and talk, I just, you know, it's emotion rolls over you to, to see what you have gone through and feel the pain and feel how God is still comes, you know, to the rescue and can, and can bring you up 
you know, I, you mentioned that you, there's a missing piece, puzzle piece. And the first thing that jumped in my head, and I know it's so Christian-y to say, but we're, we always talk about how God's the missing puzzle piece in our heart, you know, and, and, and without him, you know, that missing puzzle piece is always going to hurt. But without him, it's devastating. Mm-hmm. With him, it's always going to be there, but it's manageable. It, you can feel that love and, and, and that he's still going for you. And I, I had a friend that always, always used to say, sometimes when God says no, it's the best answer to prayer ever. We may not like it but it's the best way that he could answer a prayer. So you never know what the future holds for you, but that story is just, uh, to me, that story is amazing. Uh, you are, you have to be an unbelievably strong person. Um, and God's got something amazing in store for you. I guess we're going to find out when, as time goes by, I have the opportunity. I haven't hidden from anyone that I'm willing to share the story. I think it, I'm a, and I'm not trying to promote myself and, and, boost myself and my ego because that's not that's not me but God has done something in 365 days that I never imagined in the 50 previous years that I would ever get let alone walk into a church and be where I am today willing to sit here and share a story he can move mountains he did he 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 can't he did he moved an amazing mountain all right well here at amazed by God we like to kind of close with two questions first of being is there any other verses you shared a couple right now but is there any other verses bible characters uh person in your life that something has touched you um and and has shown you god's face more yeah so you know the other life verse that i really live by and again i tattoo my faith on me it's on my arms and i see it every day is jeremiah 29 11 and Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that's amazing for me because all I want to know is why. And this tells me that I just have to be patient and I have to wait for that plan. And my best friend, Lou, uh, the pastor at church, and some of my friends say, just wait, just watch, look what God's done so far. You never know. One door closes, another opens. You just never know what's going to happen. And is there any songs that you would like to share with our listeners that they can listen to uh, that you have drawn inspiration from? Yeah, so I mentioned Come As You Are just because of the type of person that I am. And a couple of the others that um, I think are important that have impacted me as I listen is Francis Betticelli's Thy Will Be Done which, again, is my journey and my story. And then the other one is by Big Daddy Weave, Jesus I Believe. And I hear those, and it just makes my heart swell, and I never understand what that is. And there's probably many, many more songs, because all I ever do is listen to Christian music. But those two, plus Come As You Are, are amazing for me. All right, share them two again so we can go listen to them. We can pull them up on uh, iTunes or on uh, YouTube. Big Daddy Weave's. Jesus, I believe, and Francis Batticelli's Thy Will Be Done. Well, thank you very much for sharing this story with us. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure to, to hear it and um, to just let you speak because it, it has affected me, and I, I am grateful um, that you would be on this podcast. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it, and if it makes a difference in somebody's life, I'm willing to, to do that. I, I know that God's got a plan for it. So so for Amazed by God, this again is Mark Stitchin, and we will see you next Monday.
Hello, this is your host, Mark, and after talking to Sherry, she had realized that she misspoke with her songs, and she just wanted to give credit to the correct people, and I am here to just to let you know, uh, if you would like to go listen to them on YouTube, it's Francis Batticelli, and I hope I say him that right, Write Your Own Story, and Hillary Scott, Thy Will Be Done, as her two songs that really blessed her. I know a lot of people have responded to me and really like hearing and listening to the songs, so I wanted to give credit where credit was due. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening.